Hey everyone, it's Deb here. Welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable. Comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. of Uncomfortable. I'm really excited to delve into the birthing story of one of my favourite boss ladies. Jackie Camelli is the founder and owner of Lace Brick Design, an adventure lifestyle brand for women. She also recently launched an adventure brand for baby girls called Baby Brick Brand. Jackie is a lover of French fries and foggy forests and she never says no to an adventure. She's a partner to one of Canada's top Western leathersmiths, Ben Forster, and a new mum to the very coolest twin boys, Sawyer and Miller. Jackie thrives on building community and connecting like-minded go-getters. She loves sharing her obsession with entrepreneurship, her accumulated brand building knowledge and her passion for a creative life. Working hard each day to find a humble balance in love, life, motherhood and business, Jackie challenges herself to live her best life in a way that inspires others to do the same. I really hope that you enjoy our conversation but we do get into some graphic details about the birthing process. There also might be some adult language, so when you're listening, I always recommend that you pop on those headphones. Enjoy. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jackie, so much for coming on the show. I'm excited for you to share your uh Childbirthing stories. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you for having me, Deb. I'm. I feel like this is going to be a highly cathartic experience. Good. Yes. Yeah. And I'm hoping that by sharing, you know, my thoughts and experiences um, and feelings, there's a whole lot of feelings when you give birth. Um, mm-hmm. That it would maybe you know um, make other moms feel more comfortable in the experiences that they've had because. Lord knows we are not alone in our experiences as mums. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's it's like one thing I had reached out to you to to talk about this because as you know, I really want to have kids very soon. Um, and I always joke to all my friends, I'm going to wait till all you guys have done it so that you can tell me really what to expect. So I'm yes, that is the key. You are a smart cookie, Deb, because that right. is so the key. Yes. I feel like, you know, when I was going through, when I was pregnant and going to these doctor appointments and stuff, they were saying to me, they were calling me because I was 35 when I was pregnant. I'm mm-hmm. now, and they were calling me a geriatric pregnant. and I thought I'm sorry what is that a mistake um I'm not like I'm gray-haired having a baby here like I'm 35 I'm just starting my life um and but I am grateful to be you know to have a quote geriatric pregnancy because I did have the um the advantage I would say of watching a lot of my girlfriend's um and all the advice they gave and all the do's and don'ts and it is you know there's something to be said for being the pioneer, the first one to do it, and something to be said for being the last one in your little tribe of um, mums, so yeah, um, I think you're onto something there. Thank, thank you, that's, yeah, that's my strategy, anyway, yeah, to do this, and 
like I feel just from you know general conversations with other mothers um I watch uh I don't know if you watch this called the midwife great BBC television show about nuns who were also midwives and there's midwives who are not nuns back in the kind of late 50s 60s um and they're kind of delivering babies in um a very kind of Pot, like pot, impoverished area of London and uh, the good thing about this show is that it shows a lot of the lovely stuff that you often see on television it's like oh the mum comes and everything's so nice but there is the odd time where there's something fairly heartbreaking or something comes up that you don't really think about when you're maybe planning to to be a mum so I was like hmm I want to talk to other mums and get all these stories Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a very, yeah, you're, and that's the neat, the neat thing. And the, I think it's interesting. And because of TV and because of the way movies portray childbirth, we all think we're going to have the same experience. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in my mind, I thought, oh, this is just how it's going to be. Um, but knowing and talking to other moms and hearing, we all have a unique story. Yeah. Um, and equally, I mean, you can have the smoothest experience, but it can be equally as, um, I don't know if I want to say the word traumatic. That sounds like a very big word to use, but, um, and we'll get into that, um, mm-hmm. the trauma of childbirth. But yeah. I think that um, every mom has their own story. Nothing follows a recipe. It is not like the movies. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think that um, it's a really great idea um, speaking to women about their experiences. Awesome. Well, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the fact that you're willing to share. Now, you are um, the mother of two beautiful boys, Sawyer and Miller, mm-hmm. twins. So you did have, um, I guess, an experience that many of us won't have because generally when you get pregnant, you just have one. But hey, really. you got <laughs> buy one, get one free. Sure did. <laughs> A two for deal. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yes. I will never forget the ultrasound appointment, walking in, thinking you were just, you know, going to see one little growing baby in there and the ultrasound text taking her time and she's looking around. And of course, the anxious brain of a, of a, a pregnant mom is thinking, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why is she taking so long? And, and then her next words are, well, I have a surprise for you. There's oh two in there. Yeah. Ben went a little white. His eyes got quite big. And I just did this weird this weird, I can't even categorize what emotion it was, but these, this weird cry thing that wasn't unhappy. It was just like this, like, I think it was like a cry of shock. Like, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I can only imagine because you don't have twins in your family and neither does Ben, right? No, not at all. And I, I'm, I mean, if it's okay to just share a little bit of background, like on twins, yeah, we didn't know about when we became pregnant, but of course, learned you learn very fast a lot of things about twins when you're pregnant with them. And so there's fraternal twins and there's identical twins. Identical twins um, will grow in the same, they share the same placenta, same oh. sac, and fraternal um, are obviously not identical and they have separate sacs. Um, there is a very small chance that you can actually have identical twins living in separate sacs. Like this is like so rare that I mean, even some doctors don't know about it. Yeah. And that's actually what happened with us. Wow. Is that we had, yeah, we had separate sex. So the whole pregnancy, we were under the assumption that they were fraternal, so not mm-hmm. identical. 
and they came out looking exactly, they were the same weight, same everything the whole time in the pregnancy. They came out looking almost like exactly the same. We had to paint the toenail of one to tell them apart. And um, so we did a DNA test on them to see um, if they were identical and they are. So they, they grew fraternally, like in separate sacks, but they're identical. That's so, so it's cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, so it's a, a very rare kind of neat thing. Um, but yeah, being pregnant with twins, yeah, it's a different thing. It's really great yeah. being pregnant with twins because you do get those extra ultrasounds. Um, they keep a closer eye on it because you're, you're classified as a, a high-risk pregnancy. Um, so that one I really liked, getting to see them all the time. And yeah. um, you're referred to an OB, so we had an OB and um, an obstetrician. And, and that was really great. Um, and exciting and yeah so the pregnancy was good Deb the pregnancy was awesome <laughs> yeah so walk us a little bit or you know walk us through the actual kind of birthing process and one yeah. question I, I just do um because I'm sure you'll allude to this is did you have a plan in place because that's the thing that some people do and if so how far from the plan did the birthing process move <laughs> Well, it's so funny because we went to um, a special twin prenatal class Mm -hmm. and they go into all of the details about um, the potential of having NICU babies and preterm labor. And they really, really prepare you as as a mom of multiples and parents of multiples that your birthing plan and your birthing story um, will probably not be the typical one. And they go into a lot of different things. And I, I think the one thing that they really drove home was that you are your own advocate. Um, so you can have a plan. And if that plan is going a way that you didn't foresee, you are allowed to ask questions. You are allowed to um, take, take a moment and, and look at it. Um, as far as us personally, we didn't have too much of a plan. It was just kind of like do what the experts say to do. That yeah. was sort of the outlook that we had. Um, Did you have a doula as well or any other support? That's a good question. And I always thought I'd maybe be, be mm-hmm. when, when I became pregnant, I thought, well, that would be the, I would at least have a doula. But um, yeah, I think from day one, it's very interesting how you can think you'll be one way um, and, and you, just, you just make different choices. Yeah. And I find that even being pregnant and then going through the, the birth and then becoming a mom, especially becoming a mom, you think you're going to be one way. At least this is my experience. And yeah. reality is a very different, not very different, but it is a different thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, back to your question. No, no doula um, and no midwife. So we just, um, we're going the, the regular hospital route. Okay. Um, I can dive into it. If Wait, you, please yeah. do. All right. All right. <laughs> We the pregnancy was awesome. They so typically um, you would carry your baby for forty weeks, and then that's sort of when your due date is around. That's when they mm-hmm. estimate is forty weeks. And for multiple births, twin births, it's um, thirty-seven uh-huh. is usually what they're hoping for. And so I had a very healthy re- <laughs> relationship, um, pregnancy, a very healthy pregnancy, um, and made it to thirty-five and five so 35 weeks and five days okay um we went to the ob just a regular checkup and she'd asked me if i'd had any kind of cramping or bleeding and i you know shared that i'd had a couple of symptoms and so she checked my cervix and i was actually three centimeters 
So I didn't know. Yeah. And so, oh, surprise. Yeah. Three centimeters. <laughs> so that was a bit of an unexpected shock. And so we were sent to um, labor and delivery right there just to get um, steroid shots for the twins' lungs, just in case they did go into labor and they, they were, of course, preterm, that the steroids will help um, them have a better developed lungs. Okay. So we went and got those and then we were sent home. And my timeline is a little bit blurry on this. Cause, of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> it all just kind of melded into one thing. But we went home and then I think it was only like a day or two later that we, we were back into labor and delivery because I was feeling um, crampy. And the interesting thing, and, and I don't know if other moms feel like this. I've actually never really asked anyone, but I wasn't sure if I'd know when I'd be in labor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandma said, oh, you'll know. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I'll know. <laughs> um, because what if my water doesn't break? Because sometimes it just doesn't break. Um, and I, so I thought I was, you know, not feeling the same as I had been. So we went in and um, we spent the night in the hospital. And I was having contractions. And over the night, I had dilated to four centimeters, but nothing had changed. Okay. Um, so they sent me home again. And... Um, I, I can't, and honestly, can't remember how many days later, but it was a couple of days later that I was feeling it again, the same thing. So we went into the hospital and we stayed that time. Um, we stayed for five days in a unit called antepartum. Oh, so, okay. Which is a word I hadn't heard of this. Yeah, yeah. totally did. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that word either. So antepartum is a unit within labor and delivery where um, some moms can spend months in because what? it's basically like bed rest in a hospital. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, um, so we were put there because I wasn't dilating, um, but I was contracting hard, but they couldn't induce because it was preterm. So it's kind of fun not kind of, it is basically like unethical. You don't want to keep the babies in as long. So the baby's health is more important than my comfort. basically. Mm -hmm. So so hard contractions, active, active labor um, for those five days. (laughs) And you know, even when I share this story, I think like some people aren't going to believe me. Like they'll think that that's not a possibility. Oh, it was a possibility. (laughs) And, you know, I'm just so grateful. Ben and I had the most wonderful experience in this antepartum unit. Um, The nurses we had were amazing and so compassionate. Ben did not leave my side. He slept sitting in a straight up chair for five days. Um, Totally, you know, leaving his work obligations, everything. He was there for me the whole time. And these nurses... It was an interesting experience because the nurses felt so much compassion and, and some of them were even sharing with us that, you know, they didn't understand why I wasn't being induced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, so, and my experience was less with the OBs and more with the um, residents. So the residents would come in and check me and um, just kind of say, there's no change or now you're only five centimeters, but you're not going anywhere. And, um, and so finally, at the end of the five days, I was completely exhausted. I had given in, I didn't want to have um, any kind of drug that would cloud my, mm-hmm. um, my ability to, I guess, appreciate the moment. Yeah. I didn't, I wanted to be present. And so I was really putting that off. And finally day three, I think the evening of day three, I took the morphine. Yeah. Um, I did. And I slept like so well and I really needed that sleep. But so, um, so then at the end of day five, I, was reaching a point like um, of exhaustion and just frustration. And I'm really grateful that 
you know, a turn of events. Um, our nurse that we had had, she went on a break. So the head nurse came in um, to check on things. And I was having a, a severe contraction at that point, a, a very big one. And, um, and she just said like, this isn't right. Like, I don't think this is okay. And she went and got the OB and they made that decision right there. I just remember this moment of looking the OB in the eye and it was just out of, like I was desperate, like yeah. it was desperation, like, please make the decision to bring these babies into the world. And so, yeah, so he, I just, well, it's a moment I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, okay, let's induce her. So, yeah, it all happened really. And we had made friends with the nurses by then. We were just yeah. like, it was wonderful. Like, <laughs> like it was buds by that point. Yeah, we were, it was like <laughs> awesome. So they transferred us into the actual delivery room. So out of the antepartum bed and into the delivery room, which is also not like you think it is on TV, at least if yeah. I'm um, And it was quite, it was a big delivery room because they had to have the two warming beds for the twins. And, okay. um, and they had given us warning in the prenatal um birthing classes that when you give birth to twins, you, there will be a ton of people in the room because, um, when, especially when they're preterm. So um, I don't even know how many people were in the room. And I honestly didn't open my eyes and I'll tell you why in a minute, but um, <laughs> there were a lot of people and it went very fast. So I got my epidural, which I was quite nervous about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this big fear that really I had nothing to base it on, but I had a fear, knock on wood, that I was just going to lose the feeling in my legs forever. Like oh. something was going to go wrong in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I shared that fear and, and the anesthesiologist was like, no, like, this is, like, this this is, is safe. Fine. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but they do give you the redo risks. Um, mm-hmm. But I can personally say that the benefits way outrageous (laughs) oh it was wonderful so I got numb from the waist and they give you a little button to click and so you're in control of like how numb you want to go oh interesting okay yeah so I clicked I clicked click 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 yeah and um and they started to induce me and the the funny thing is is that it was almost midnight and they, I was ready to roll. I was 10 centimeters and they actually put it off because they didn't want one twin born on one date and the next born after midnight on the next date. Oh my God. I yeah. wouldn't even have thought yeah. of that. Yeah. It was kind of wow. an interesting thing. So they put it off the doctor. It was a crazy night in, um, in delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, I think they had done, oh, and I'm just, I might be wrong on this number, but I feel like they had done 13 deliveries that day or there was something crazy. I know it was some crazy number so they were just running all over the place I think they were happy to leave me for a second um and then the resident came in and and this is another thing that I had said to Ben all along I don't want a resident to deliver our babies I don't want a resident to deliver our babies I want the the person that's done it the longest I want actual OB and um but I had gotten to know Nick he was our resident I had gotten to know him over those five days which is a blessing because he was very competent very personable He knew what we'd been through. And so I did feel comfortable. Um, and, and the OB was right behind him. Like it was, he was leading the, the charge and, you know, it gave him good experience. Um, but I'll be honest, I didn't really want him to do it. (laughs) Yeah, no, fair enough. So, um, but it was, it all went well. Sawyer, uh, he was born, he was the first one out and he was born after 12 minutes of pushing and then Miller came out. So you push the first baby out and then they do an ultrasound to kind of see the position of the second one. So Sawyer came out after 12 minutes of pushing and then Miller came out after seven minutes later, he came out. Um, Wow. So that, like, that's pretty close. I would have thought there'd be more time. (laughs) Yeah. It it was fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was very fast. And you know, like they say to push and I had an amazing nurse 
that was guiding me through it and giving me very good cues about what to do with my body. But when they said to me that I had to push hard because Miller's heart rate was dropping, mm. um, this, this beast took over me. It was like, wow. I've never felt this way in my life. And it's something I can't describe, but I pushed so hard that I thought I cannot open my eyes right now. My eyeballs will pop out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why your eyes were closed. Yes. I closed them the whole time, like the all, all 19 minutes, my eyes were closed because I thought, and especially with Miller, I thought, I seriously feel like I'm going to push my eyeballs out. So I did. And so he came out, they had to use the forceps a little bit with him, but nothing too crazy. And, and, um, and I did get an episiotomy, which is when they have to cut, cut you so that you don't tear. And, uh, which I heard a lot about as well. Like you can, um, so we had heard in our birthing class that actually the practice now is to, it's to sort of let you tear because you'll heal more naturally. Naturally. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and so to hear, so when you're going through the late, well, when I was going through the labor, everything happened so fast. And again, in the prenatal class, they were telling us that we could, we had a choice. We can take time to do the decision. In reality, in There's reality, no- Deb, <laughs> the, the OB was saying, so now we're going to, we need to cut you to get him out faster. And I thought to myself, why are you using words? Just do the thing. <laughs> there is no like, time. There's no time. Stop asking me if I want it. Just do it. <laughs> And then when they said we have to use forceps and they're getting my permission for that, I thought I get the same thing in. Just stop asking. Just do do the damn thing. Just do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was really like there was no time to think. I all I thought about was get him out and get him good. Yeah. So and he was. He was perfectly fine. So they came out very healthy. They were 5.1 pounds each, identical weights, almost identical lengths. Um, I don't remember the lengths. I don't honestly, like, again, I thought I would be the mom to be like, my child was 17.7 and he was born at, I kind of don't even really remember what time they were born at. <laughs> I just remember how many minutes I, they were apart. I don't think anyone's going to judge you on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so they were, I, they, and the really nice thing was they were brought right up to my chest for skin to skin right Aww. away. And I'll never forget the little look they were giving me. They had wrinkly foreheads and they were looking up at me. Yeah, so sweet. And then they were whisked away and Ben went with them. And I, so it was, it went from having a lot of bodies in the room Mm -hmm. to having myself and and my nurse Bev. And so it was an interesting experience that I think is one that haunts me a little bit. It does a little bit because um, I started to hemorrhage. And um, I could see she was very good at holding it together. She's very good at trying to hide. Yeah. But I could see her looking for the other nurse. Like she was looking out the door. So and is I could that see why her. they were taken away or were they taken away um, for another reason? Yeah. So they were taken away because they're preterm and right. they were taken right to the NICU. That's a great okay. question. Yeah. Okay. So, and I knew that would happen and I was given lots of warning about mm-hmm. it. And so it wasn't okay. something that created worry or anxiety. And I knew Ben was with them. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so then um, I hemorrhaged, and they—they they, it was fine. They got it under control. Mm-hmm. But the feeling of being alone in that bed, and then seeing the kind of the look on the nurse's face mm-hmm. of like, um, was a, it's an interesting. Yeah, that one sticks with me a little bit. Um, yeah. Not—I don't think about it every day or anything, but it's definitely yeah. one that wasn't a comfortable feeling. Um, so that's something I didn't expect. Um, you kind of just think that you'll give birth and everything's a-okay and lovely lovely and yeah. yeah so like when you do hemorrhage because I've heard of you know this happening with another like few family members and friends as well like 
I mean, I guess it depends on how bad yeah. it is, but kind of what's the process there? Is it just a bunch of doctors come in and... Yeah, so I didn't have any doctors come in. Okay. The nurses, this is, I just have so much respect well, so much respect for the delivery nurses and the mm-hmm. antiquarium nurses that we had because they were, she just handled it. She, they tried a few things and then, um, and this is definitely TMI, but then they ended up giving you, they give you suppositories to stop it. Okay. Um, and then if that doesn't work, there's a next step, but I can't really remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, if that wasn't going to work, they were going to have to do something else, but okay. I can't remember. But I think the, the, that you can end up having to have a transfusion okay. um, if you use too much. So they were luckily able to, um, able to stop it. So that was good. Um, the next little part after that's a bit of a blur. Yeah. Um, the next thing I remember, and this is where it gets a bit interesting, is that I was taken down to um, postpartum mm-hmm. um, where my um, schema and my ex- current experience, like my, um, most recent experience with nurses was flipped on its head. Oh, yeah. Um, so we got into postpartum. It was um, very early in the morning. Ben was with the babies. I remember, um, so I still had the epidural, but the sensation was coming back. Mm-hmm. The numbness was going away and I had to use the washroom. And um, I felt like the urge to pee because they do give you a catheter when you okay. have Yeah. So yeah. I used to pee. So I called the nurse and um, and I tried to get up. Sorry, I didn't have the catheter then. Sorry, I have to back up. Um, so I didn't have it then. I tried to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. And I was in so much pain in my pelvic area that I couldn't. You know how sometimes you're in pain and you can convince yourself? Like, okay, I've got this. And yeah, yeah. Just get through it and just stand up. And there was no way I could convince my mind to be stronger than the pain. I could not get out of bed. And so she said, and to me, I mean, of course, I'd never given birth before. I didn't know I didn't know what maybe this is how you're supposed to feel after you've yeah. pushed out. and she said to me no like this is not normal um at that point and so she said like we're just gonna have to figure out what's wrong and um so this is why I was thinking of the catheter and this is also TMI but isn't that what this podcast is exactly about? no nothing <laughs> um, is TMI yeah. <laughs> so they, <laughs> as long um, as you're comfortable okay. oh yeah so comfortable. Um, so they gave me a catheter because they couldn't get out of bed and they took a liter, a liter of urine out of me. Yes. A liter. Yes. A liter. She said that she's like, this is like, what is happening? Here? And I just think it's so comical because I was like so tired and so like, I don't know, just get it out of me. And yeah. I was just like, I'm, I might have to go get another container. So, <laughs> it's like overflowing. Yes. So I just don't know. That's a memory that sticks out for me. Um, So it's kind of blurry after that, like what kind of happened. But I do know that um, the pain that I had, they were trying to figure out, the doctors, the nurses tried to figure out where it came from. I didn't want to, I still hadn't seen my babies after giving birth to them. And after they left, I hadn't seen them yet. And so I was in all this pain and they were wanting me to take drugs to, to stop the pain, but I'm quite sensitive even to a Tylenol. So I didn't want the drugs. Um, and I remember sort of, I guess battling is the word battling with the nurses. They were, you know, and, and it was almost like they were thinking my pain wasn't that bad if I didn't want to take the drugs. They weren't Mm. quite understanding that, um, my reasons behind it. Um, and then the insensitivity to the pain I was feeling, um, was quite evident with the nurses and looking back now it's because, um, so I'll get to the reason why I had the pain, but 
um, it was a very rare situation and they weren't familiar with it and didn't really understand the amount of pain that I actually was experiencing. So um, there was a lot of harshness in how I was um, treated um, that I find um, is still bothersome to this day. Um, And speaking to a lot of other and I can't speak for every postpartum and there's some amazing postpartum nurses, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that wasn't my experience and, and other moms that I've talked to, they haven't had the best postpartum experience. So I'm wondering if there's sort of a gap in, in something here because my experience in labor and delivery and my experience in um, antepartum was so amazing. So yeah. to go from that to being in postpartum and being treated how I was, um, I mean, to the point where I was even spoken to like I was deaf. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. You know, it was very interesting for me. So I still hold, hold the thought that I want to maybe um, address this somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, through feedback, through emails, through speaking to um, just different people that have to do with this unit. I think it you, needs to be addressed. Did you reach out to them afterwards? Like, you know, maybe once you had got settled with... Right. It's, and to be honest, it's still on my to-do list. <laughs> so, and it's not for lack of not wanting to do it. Like I've mm-hmm. gone from, you know, I have twins, I work full time. Yeah. Those aren't excuses. Like it's still on the list. I feel like I need to be, and this is another thing we can maybe talk about if, if you care to, if we have time, but mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be um, less foggy brained to mm. really effectively address this. And I really do want to effectively address this yeah, uh, because it was not okay. Like to have my, to have my partner um, advocate for me and not be listened to have my dad advocate for me and not be listened mm-hmm. to quite an interesting experience. So um, they did ultrasounds. They couldn't find anything. Um, my OB was working on it. Um, and then they decided to do an x-ray and they discovered that my pubic symphysis had separated. So it's the bones. Oh um, God! And naturally, they do come apart a little bit when you're pregnant. They, okay. It's like I think a, a millimeter. I'm not quite sure on the numbers again, but it's it, you do naturally experience a little bit of it. Okay. Um, a millimeter or a centimeter? Sorry, I don't know which one. I can't remember, but mine had come apart like a crazy amount, like Ooh. just separated, and so that was the cause of it. Um. So I was in, the orthopedic surgeon diagnosed me with that. Everything made sense. And um, so I was in a wheelchair for, so every time we'd go and visit the babies in the NICU, because we obviously went home and they stayed there. Mm -hmm. I was in a wheelchair for that. Um, We had physiotherapy in the hospital and they gave a bunch of accommodations. We've got the equipment for the house. um, Okay. The bath, bathtub, the shower. Um, They taught me how to get upstairs. So it was something very unexpected yeah yeah and uh, how how long were you in that wheelchair for was it days or a couple yeah weeks? so it was a cup the babies were in the uh the NICU for two for two weeks okay and I think I was using the walker the last maybe two or three days that they were in the NICU okay. um instead of the wheelchair to get around the, their room but Ben still had to put me in the wheelchair to get from the car to the um to the their uh, room in the NICU um the NICU experience was amazing mm-hmm. and I, and I sometimes I wonder if they maybe the babies needed to learn to eat and that was the only thing that they the only reason they were in there they just mm. need to 
coordinate their swallowing and breathing, okay. which was um, a blessing. They were perfectly healthy other than that. And yeah. so um, I do think the compassion that we experienced in the NICU from the doctors and the nurses was, I, do, I think the babies needed um, to be there. And I also think that they were um, compassionate for my situation, yeah. helping me as a new mom heal heal before I welcomed new babies into my home yeah because um, the timing of being out of the wheelchair and, and able to stand on my own um matched perfectly when they were discharged and yeah so, yeah so it was um I, I it's just me guessing that that's what happened but I think yeah that's, yeah so um the NICU experience was interesting uh, again like the best teams, the best nurses we had, we made friends. I'm still friends with the girls that I met there. Um, it, it was a really nice experience. It wasn't scary. And to be honest, the, it was a blessing to be able to go home and rest at night. Yes. I, I would just wake up in the morning and call and make sure they had a good night. And yeah, yeah um, I know that people can have a lot scarier, mm -hmm. a, a more scary experience in the NICU with, um, you know, just different health things that can happen with babies. And we're yeah. grateful that that wasn't our experience. Um, so yeah. So once we got over the, the split, that, yeah. this, and uh, how, how long did that take to, to heal? So it was supposed to be eight weeks before I would sort of not feel any pain before. And I don't know if it's the, I don't know, this sounds fluffy, but the magic of motherhood or yeah. what, but, um, my body healed really fast. Um, oh, wow. Okay. To the point where I wasn't feeling crazy amounts of pain at probably four weeks. Um, I think it took, a, I would say it took about four to five months before I wasn't feeling anything there. And now okay. I wouldn't even know that it happened. Okay. Um, so it's totally healed up now. Um, yeah. So, did you continue with physio and things like that for a few months afterwards? I didn't go to physio for it. I just um, did the things. I wore the belt. They gave me like a little SI belt that I wore, and um, yeah, just did the did the things that they told me to do when I was in yeah. the hospital, and just managed it that way. And it it did just just like the ortho surgeon said it. He said it would just heal up. So yeah, ton do yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, awesome. <laughs> So yeah, that's quite the experience. I had yeah. no idea, even though like I know you, um, that even that you were kind of those two weeks after you were in a wheelchair using a walker and the babies were in the NICU and it's as even as kind of like family or friends, they don't even often see what's happened. I mean, I've had friends who go and they have babies and they maybe text when they're in the hospital saying the baby's coming, that's great, but you don't even know the half of it. You don't understand even what they've gone through until you perhaps experience it yourself. But even then, as you said, everyone's experience is different. It is. And I think too, it's really like now that I've gone through it, I make a point of asking new moms or even moms, like my mm -hmm. own best friend. I mean, we've been best friends for 12 years, almost 13 years now. And I like when I got through all this and I said, like, I don't even really know your birthing story. Mm. So I think it's really a nice thing as females, mom or mom to be, or um, not even a mom to say, like, I want to hear about it. Like, let's yeah. talk about it. Share your experience. Because I do honestly think that there's a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder that happens after. I think that the anxiety that new moms feel is unspoken about a lot of the time. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, um, it's something we need to be more verbal about 
as yeah. society and as women um, and sharing that experience. I remember, so they transferred me um, from postpartum into the gynecology unit for a night. And Deb, I woke up that night in a cold sweat, having a full on panic attack. Um, just, and I mean, that was a whole other experience too, just having to teach every new nurse how to help me get out of bed at night to pee. Um, all this, it was very overwhelming. And so after just giving birth, and so um, the panic attack came and I realized, I need to take something off my plate. I am in a wheelchair. I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I just had babies and I made the decision right there not to breastfeed. I tried it with the boys. They latched really well. My milk came in. Everything was great. I made the choice right there. I cannot take this on. So yeah. I think that just talking about things and, and recognizing that you don't have to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. You really don't. It's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Um, and I made the choice and the boys are fine and everything's good. And I had, I continued to push myself, I think I would have gotten, I think my anxiety would have been. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of raise a really good point um, and something I'm kind of very conscious of nowadays. And I'm not even a mother, but hoping to be one day is that there's a lot of judgment around like people judging other people, parents, not even just mothers, but parents judging other parents' decisions. And, you know, I studied nutrition and it was like, baby's breast milk like you've got to breastfeed but you can't just turn around and say to someone you should have breastfed you have no idea what their story is as you said they could have gone through a very traumatic you know birthing process and just had to take something off their plate so it's one of the reasons I do this podcast is that people will share stories of an experience and kind of I feel that understanding those experience helps to dissolve the judgment so having the conversations around this is like the best thing you can do and I feel like maybe someone needs to start a whole birthing process podcast (laughs) yes do it Deb do it (laughs) oh I've already got this one I don't think I could take another one on but if there's anyone out there even maybe has one already dear god let us know I'll post it in the notes and you know and share it for sure but even books or or something whatever however blogging however you want to share it I think that's really important Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And it's interesting if we can talk on the judgment part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing because we all, it's, I think it's human nature to sort of judge, you know, and you keep it in your head and you think, okay, and you make your opinion about it. It's another thing to be critical. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of critics when you become a mom. A lot of critics. And, you know, self-admittedly, I was judgmental when before I became a mom. And not in a, a negative, harmful way. Just you sort of snicker to yourself, well, I wouldn't do yeah. it like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you become a mom and you're like, holy shit, I'm doing it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> and so um, I think judgment is natural. I think critic, being critical mm. of the way someone chooses to be a mom is something that needs to be smushed. Yes. Um, as a society, I think we're very hard on moms. I think um, it's, a, it's one of the most treasured roles. And yet, does any mom feel like they're doing it right? Yeah. Does any mom feel safe to make a choice that's right for her without the critics? And so I think it's a very, now that I'm a mom, I'm just, my eyes were very open. I said to Ben in the first month of being a mom, I said, being a mom isn't hard. Like, 
and I had two of them. Being a mom wasn't the hard part. You burp them, you feed them, you burp them, they sleep, you change their poo. Like it's not, it's like you cuddle them, you're so in love with them. That wasn't the overwhelming part. The overwhelming part was managing other people's emotions mm. about being, me becoming a mom, whatever form that was in, um, emotions and behavior. It was yeah. a really interesting thing that, that I didn't, if there's one thing I didn't expect about becoming a mom, it was the difference in behavior that people closest to us would have. It was a very interesting thing. And like, how did you manage that or navigate that? Any tips for, for current mothers or hopefully one day mothers? Well, you know, I learned this from a friend of mine. And again, it's, it's another thing that's put on moms that we're just hormonal. So if there's a point that I wanted to make with somebody or if I wanted to, you know, point out something that wasn't making me feel good, I knew that it would just be chalked up to being hormonal. You're being oversensitive. You're yeah. being hormonal. You just had babies. Someone said to me, oh, new mums are just sensitive. And I thought, um, yeah, I roll. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, I think you have to be sort of like who has the time or energy when you've just had a baby to be mindful and like worry about other people this way. But I think that it's important to just bear in mind that people will chalk it up to being hormonal, which as a new mom is not fair. No, it really isn't. And it's, it's hard enough that you're trying to look after this new baby or babies that you've Mm -hmm. just had. And then you have to deal with other people's, you know, criticism and comments and their bullshit, right? It's like, you have to deal with their (laughs) bullshit. And yes. Yeah, it's no thanks. No, there should have been a chapter in the prenatal <laughs> book about this. Like, and they did kind of allude to it when we were in our prenatal classes that mm. they, you will, like, they gave some sort of like hints of you will have to manage people if you have somebody who's coming over and helping and and really they're not helping, they just want to cuddle baby. Have mm. a list for them to do. Like, give them jobs, have tasks for people because yeah. you do need the help. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's the interpersonal aspects of it, I have to say, have been the most, um, mm. the most surprising. Interesting. That's, yeah. that's good. To, it's not actually what I expected. I thought you were going to tell me, oh, recovering. I couldn't. <laughs> oh, we can talk about that too. <laughs> yeah, there's all that. But it's really interesting that that's kind of been one of the, the, mm. the biggest challenges mm-hmm. for sure. So, yeah, good, t- good uh, tidbit for want to be your hopeful you know parents to be mm. pretty soon has there been anything else um you know as you bring the babies home and you try to get back to your new normal which is not what it was going to be like that was a big challenge for you um well I'm just taking a second to I feel yeah. like it's just you're as a woman your world is not even remotely like it was before. Um, and so I think learning your new role, I remember thinking, I remember thinking I need to be these babies advocate. Mm -hmm. I need to, if I don't think something is okay, or if, you know, I need to be their voice and being someone, I know my personality and I know assertiveness is not my strongest quality. Um, and so babies will put that mirror up to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, those boys have taught me 
very quickly that assertiveness, it needs to be there. Like you are that baby's um, advocate and, and the mama bear. So um, it's like a, a lesson in boundaries. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Which is something I think we all sort of, you know, it's a learning curve. It's a learning curve with that one. Um, and so, yeah, again, I guess that's kind of related to interpersonal things, but, um, I think practical wise, just do the things that make it easy. We got a formula maker. We had a sterilizer. (laughs) Convenience. Convenience, (laughs) convenience, convenience. (laughs) Like someone said, are you going to do cloth diapers? And that wasn't for me. We chose not to do cloth diapers. And it's because we had twins and we go through 140 of them in a week. What? Um, yeah. What? A lot of diapers. Oh my God. <laughs> and so, um, oh yeah, I calculated. So our boys have a cow milk protein allergy. And so they're just allergic to milk basically. Okay. So we have to buy a special formula for them. And it's close to, in a year, we spend close to $10,000 on formula. Oh so my God. When people say babies are expensive and I'm like, oh, how much can a onesie cost? It's not the onesie. <laughs> It's not it's the onesie. Basics. It's the, the food and the yeah, the yeah. diapers. Yes. Oh my god. I know because yes. I always think, oh, five kids. I'll just shop at the thrift store or you know buy stuff from friends who've had babies. But I don't even think about you know all of that. Well. <laughs> oh man, I it's mean, like. I, I love the idea of cloth diapers, but we're in yeah. an apartment with shared laundry and yeah. like unless we somehow find money to buy a house in the next yes. year then right it's probably not gonna happen <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and it just comes down to doing i mean i am all for the environment like really we make choices that take care of our earth this one was a matter of like sanity yeah. so you just have to choose your sanity and honestly for mums i've really learned that you need to take you need there's little my therapist calls them small acts of rebellion and you need to just do these things for yourself to keep your sanity yes it's very important I love it simple acts of rebellion yeah (laughs) that should be a motivational quote (laughs) I feel like it is my mantra these days like what can I do to make myself feel better and not tell anybody about I know awesome well thank you so much for sharing all this i feel like i could talk to you forever but i know that you have to you have to run off um and i will obviously share your amazing business that i'm a big fan of i know you're a hard-working boss lady with an amazing (laughs) uh brand least brick design so i'll make sure to share more information on on what you do other than your mama job (laughs) business um but yeah thank you so much for sharing jackie this is amazing thank you for having me it's been fun i could talk to you for hours about it (laughs) hey everyone thanks so much for tuning in now if you are a baby mama or a baby papa then i hope that this episode will help inspire you to share your birthing story with other parents If you want to find out more about Jackie, then head over to her beautiful website, which is www.lacebrickdesign.com and make sure to follow her over on Instagram. There's two accounts. There's at lacebrickdesign or at Jacqueline underscore Lisa. And I will add those to the show notes so that you can connect with her. 
If you enjoyed our conversation, then feel free to let us know in the comments section over on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. You can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small $5 per month so that we can keep on running. For more information, visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate. Thanks again for listening, guys. Now go out there and get uncomfortable. <laughs>